0: this podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have a very special guest, one of my really good friends, somebody I've actually been coaching and mentoring for Shit over a year now, and we kind of dive into that story and, and how that relationship came about and what I coach him on and how I coach him and what he's taken away from it. but then we also dive into so much more that he 's taken away from all aspects of life. I mean, this guy has owned multiple businesses, he is a multi sport athlete he is a father, he is a successful business owner he is a very, very interesting person to listen to and learn from because he 's just really well rounded we We talk about how balance is bullshit in this podcast, but if there's anybody in this world that I know who has balanced together as much as you can put it together. Cody Smith is one of those people and it's an honor to have him on the podcast, especially because he has been a client for a long time. So I know he was excited to be here as well. So what you guys are gonna take away from today's podcast is not only a lot of training and program design talk, cause we do really get into the weeds around training and CrossFit versus bodybuilding and things like that. But you're also gonna take away just some really cool perspective and insight um, between the conversation with him and I, and it was an in-person conversation here at the facility. So it was a really cool chance to dive into some deeper level talking, if you will, um, revolving around all things, again, training, business, family, balance, entrepreneurship, so on and so forth. So I think you guys are really, really going to like this episode before we dive into it though. A few quick announcements, guys, first and foremost, it is 2020. It is the new year. So I do want to make a shameless plug that, We are a group of coaches, we are a group of passionate coaches who spend literally every day of our life investing in ourselves to become better versions of the coaches we are to help you get better results. So if you are entering into this new year and you are confused on what to do, you need somebody trustworthy to take you through the process inside of training and nutrition and you want help finally reaching your success in the physical atmosphere of this year please do me a favor, click the link in the description. You get a free call with one of us so we can talk to you about what a periodized approach actually looks like with a trustworthy, evidence-based coaching company, which is what we are, Boom Boom Performance. The other thing I wanna mention, guys, is if you like this show, if you enjoy what Cody and I talk about today and it it resonates with you on any level, please do me two huge favors. As always, leave us a five-star rating and review. Or and or, I should say, do both, please. Take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your story. Tag both of us. I'm going to put both of our usernames in the description of this podcast. We want to see who's listening. We want to uh, share it on our story. And we want to thank you for spending this time listening and learning with us on the Boom- Boom Forms podcast. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to this awesome episode with the one and only Cody Smith. All right, dude, I'm excited about this one. Um, I got Cody Smith here with me, another Cody, uh, local to Washington um when did we start working together
1: oh geez it's been over a year right yeah i feel like maybe it was during the summer yeah a little over a year ago
0: 2018 yeah so i don't even know how we met i think you just reached out
1: to me right yeah i mean as far as like how i found you like i was just scrolling one day like search right and then um you're doing a snatch and i actually thought you were like a local regional athlete and at the time, I was, like, still doing the competitive thing. So I was, like, I'm totally going to stalk what this dude's doing. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And, like, the name totally stuck out in my head for some reason. Like, I feel like I'd seen it in, like, the CrossFit Games leaderboard. So just started going in, diving into some of your content. And then uh, I was, like, hey, man, this dude knows a little something. Like, he's kind of blending elements of CrossFit. He does bodybuilding. I was, like, that's kind of what I'm into. And then just hit that follow button.
0: I love it, dude. Yeah, we uh, – it's a good example of, like, I always talk about forcing relationships and we talked about this today on the mentor group call. And I think that, and for people listening, Cody's been working with me on my mentorship for a while now, but kind of forcing relationships on yourself, like seeking out things. I mean, I can honestly say you did that with me. You did that with Craig Ballantyne. You did that with a lot of the different people you've had on your podcast. A lot of the people you've met through even my connections and even the conversations we've had, you've kind of like, You've taken action on starting those conversations and starting those relationships with me and with other people and with different things that you do in your life, and I think not enough people do that. And that's like that was a big focus for me in 2018 and 19, just in my my own personal life. And uh, we were talking about it today, and I think it's so so crucial. But um, there's a few things I want to talk with you about today on the podcast because I think a lot of people will get a lot of value out of the way you live your life, uh, the way you run your businesses, who you are as a father and a husband. Um, a business owner, a programmer, we're very similar in a lot of ways. And I think that you, you have a really good approach of structuring your life in consistently growing, right? Like in just consistently pushing and pushing and pushing and, and why not do more? Why not grow more? Why not have more? Um, and why not still show up as a person for the people around you? And I think that's the hard thing is because as entrepreneurs and trainers and coaches, that's usually the thing that falls off. It's like Absolutely. taking care of ourselves, taking care of our family, taking care of our wives. And it's, it's almost like hurting to like admit that, but that's the hardest part. We get so tunnel vision. It's like grind, 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 grind. And we have to remember to pull back and actually like focus on other people that matter more. Absolutely. Um, so I want to dive into like, honestly, your story, everything, because I think you, people can pull away so much of that. And then we're going to have to geek out a little bit on training just because totally. like, I think that's, a, I expect yeah, nothing less. Yeah, <laughs> we got to do that. Um, but uh, tell the listeners who you are in a nutshell, so we can get a good idea of, of like who Cody is before we dive into your story.
1: Yeah. You know, um, so, so one thing about forcing the relationship that you touched on, and I actually got that from you, and I want to commend you on that. One day you were talking on one of your podcasts about um how you approached Jason Phillips, and you're like, yeah, you're totally going to mentor me, and like how you searched out like upgrading your circle and putting yourself in these situations that one made you uncomfortable, but two allowed you to like grow as a coach, as a person, or the husband. Um, so I literally took that aspect and just thrusted into my life and that pretty much encompassed everything that I've done over the past couple of years so I can actually thank you for that but uh as far as who is I, who I am um uh, previous fat kid right uh I mean long story short I had to lose a bunch of weight to get into the navy um gotten to you know did boot camp started working out I uh, had never done any sort of training like I managed to get through life um anything physical I did was not in relation to training it was just like I don't know, I, I don't even know how I like I was a decent baseball player um, did, did well in pretty much any sport, but it never came from, like, training or anything. I was just kind of naturally good at it. We can relate on that, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, joined the military, started, uh, went into boot camp, found that I actually liked, like, the whole dieting thing. I liked the whole uh, running, exercising, working out thing. And then I got uh, out of boot camp, got into school. At A school, we, you know, I met my, like, I guess, my first training partner. And he essentially just showed me all this bodybuilding stuff and and what it was is like do every machine in the base gym in uh, Virginia Beach Virginia so like we're hitting every machine up every day i'm like wicked sore i'm just i fall in love with it right <laughs> machine circuits style. <laughs> right <clears throat> so fast forward uh i'm on um i'm on my first ship essentially and uh all these marine guys are doing like uh brazilian jiu jitsu in the hangar bay and, uh, you know, I was essentially like I, I, I did a, a watch rotation with the job that I had in the Navy to where I was like six hours on, six hours off. Well, I ended up spending the six hours that I had off training and doing jujitsu. And when I say doing jujitsu, I mean sitting in the hangar bay, getting my butt kicked by every single Marine there. And I hated it. I like I hated that. I just got mauled every single day. Um, wasn't really progressing in my training either, but I just loved it. Just had, kind of found a love for it. Um, got back in port. Joined my first martial arts studio. Fast forward, I get into uh, doing competitive mixed martial arts. I was doing really well without any sort of like smoking cigarettes, like drinking with my buddies on the weekends. And then I was just going and smashing dudes. And my coach was like, imagine if you trained and you actually like took this seriously. So, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm flipping through a muscle and fitness magazine one day and uh, I find this article about CrossFit and I'm like, all right, I'll give this thing a shot. So start doing CrossFit, and uh, first couple workouts I was like, "This is dumb. I'm not doing this anymore. Like, put it away." Still doing the bodybuilding thing, not really getting where I wanted. Doing okay in training. Wanted to take my martial arts to the next level, so I was like, "All right, um, there's this gym local that does it, um, like inside of the martial arts studio." So um, jump back into it again, and I don't really know, like when that changed for me, and like when that switch went off to where I was like, "Okay, I'm fully in CrossFit. I'm going to pursue this thing," but um for whatever reason i I really like got into the whole aspect of training crossfit and then you know next thing i know like in my martial arts career i'm smashing dudes like i went undefeated i was eight no um one fight went to a decision or i'm sorry one fight went to the last round the rest of them were like first round stoppages knockouts um submissions like the the training aspect completely changed who i was as a fighter and uh i mean and and then were
0: you just doing bjj
1: no, uh, so I, I mean, I got into Muay Thai, I started okay. doing boxing. You said knockout and I was like, damn, you knocked somebody out on the BJJ. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> earlier that's earlier on the call when, uh, you know, Jeremiah was talking about doing Muay Thai. I'm like, dude, you'd be so good. You're so tall. Like yeah. your your length and your range would be insane. Uh, so yeah, during that time, I definitely got into Muay Thai. I started doing boxing, doing jujitsu. But um, the training value of like what that did to me as like a competitor, I, like this light bulb went off. So I was like, man, there's something to this. Um, so I essentially started leading the fight team at the gym. Um, I, I was the one like in the area that I had won a couple belts. Um, some of the guys like really looked up to me as like leading them. Um, so I was like talk to my coach. And I'm like, hey, what do you think about me going and getting certified as a coach in CrossFit? And he was like, great idea. I went, um, got my certification, and then I started essentially just running the fight team through stuff. And a lot of the like the adults and stuff were watching what we were doing. And some of the parents, and they're like, what are you guys doing? Like, we want to try that. And then uh, my coach was like, what do you think about starting like a program here? And it was like this dingy old attic space in the martial arts studio. Like, you know, you know, across you're dropping bars and mm-hmm. like, it's crazy, right? Um, <laughs> we're like going through the floor into the changing room under us. Like, it, it was crazy. It was insane. I don't <laughs> know how we managed to stay open, but um, I really just got a love for training. And then I, I really discovered that um, I enjoyed training more than I did martial arts. Uh, then I had some relationship stuff. Uh, you know, I was getting separated from my first wife. I had a, you know, my first son, he needed a dad and he needed somebody to pay attention to him. And well, MMA and CrossFit together were too much. I couldn't keep up with both of them. So, um, pretty much decided that I would step out of martial arts and pursue the being a dad and uh, being a business owner thing. I was working full time as a government contractor, started running the CrossFit gym, and then it just, it grew, you know, crossfit was basically if you ran a workout for an hour a day or you know a couple workout sessions per day people would come and they would join your gym so a lot of that was dumb luck and then um that pretty much just allowed me to pursue my passion and pursue my career um that's for a little bit more uh i broke the cardinal rule i totally dated one of my clients now she was like my second client ever so i mean (laughs) give me a little give me a little uh leeway there but um and we ended up getting married and uh, we moved here to washington closed down my gym essentially gave all of the clients that i had to one of my coaches that i had kind of coached up and um she ran that for a few years here we moved here started in the garage uh transitioned into one facility outgrew that one transitioned into another facility outgrew that one and now we ended up where we are now where we have um eight thousand square foot facility and uh last last may i believe uh i was just like my landlord was like hey man That space next door to you—it's open. Um, Do you still want it? You know, you got first right of refusal. And I was like, "Yeah, and I want to train martial arts again. So I'm just gonna do it." It, it, And it's funny—you know, Craig was like, "Don't do it, man. You don't have enough time for it." And I was like, "No, I'm totally gonna do it. I'm gonna be selfish and I'm gonna open this other facility." And uh, you know, here we are—a year later, our Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu studio is quickly becoming one of the like biggest and most well-known ones in the in the county where I live. And um, our gym is—I mean massive (laughs) massive and you know we're doing really well and things are going well a lot of that I can attribute to you obviously but um I've been very fortunate to to make a lot of right decisions and um get mentoring around along the way and uh the biggest thing and, and and something that I believe really helped my business to grow is just being good to people being a good person um creating connection I was listening to you talk earlier about that and I was like you know I think that's for me has always been the key with like any client I've had, any team member, like we retain coaches really, really well. We have coaches that have been with us for like, you know, one of my coaches actually moved here from Chicago to coach with me. And it's like, you know, we're it's just we're doing super well. And, and, and I think a lot of that just comes down to just, you know, um, somebody told me when I started out in business, he said, first world businesses, don't be a dick. <laughs> and I pretty much like, I mean, I stuck it in my brain and it's been there forever. Simple.
0: Yep. Well, I think like, so, so for people listening, Cody is kind of spending the day here with us at the, the headquarters. And i was I think it was on a sales call when you might have heard that, but like I was talking to a new client that 's signing up with us that 's going to be working with one of the coaches and um I was telling her because she she told me that the biggest issue she had with her last coach was there was no emotion inside of it. She was like, I felt like it was just numbers and it was that was it it was there was no emotion, there was nothing else and i and I told her the biggest fundamental key for successful coaching is human interaction, and a lot of people forget that inside coaching it is human interaction. It's connection. It's communication. It's relationship building. Like a coach and a client is a, that's a very powerful and impactful relationship. I've had coaches that have literally changed my life because of the conversations I've had and stuff like that. And I know you can attest that too. And I think that just goes to show like how important that is because there hasn't been, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but until now, like as long as I've been working with you, there hasn't been a huge focus on ads. It's
1: like, yeah, we just started doing ads for the first time. That's like what I mean. Two months ago, yeah. At a point
0: where you're like, okay, we have a huge gym, we're, we're packed, people are super happy, why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? Because yeah. you can. And I think that's really important. And we, to this day, haven't even ran ads, as because we're like, we don't need to. We we base everything off connection, off, off organic content, off just helping people, and it grows from that. Now, don't get me wrong, we will eventually do ads, it's just mm-hmm. part of the evolution of a bu- business, but... Um, I think it's important that you focused on culture, you focused on communication, you focused on connection, all those things way before anything else. And I think you're doing it in a space, which is kind of the next part I want to get to is like, you've been so ingrained in this CrossFit. And this is something that I think a lot of people, they're like, CrossFit die hard, or they're like, fuck CrossFit, it's stupid. And there's very few people that are like, I really like CrossFit, it's cool but I think I have a better way. Or like, hey, we can blend that. Or hey, like there's a different way to do this or a different way to approach this. Something you and I share in common with because we both love CrossFit, but we also both like doing things a little bit differently. Right. Um, when did that switch happen to you? And why did it happen?
1: It basically when I started doing uh, some of the like bodybuilding accessory work again, I forgot how much I loved it. I liked how the muscles feel. I like like getting a bump in the gym mm-hmm. is, <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna go and quote Arnold here, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a great feeling. and then. Gosh, you never like when you get stuck in the the fog of like doing competitive crossfit for so long, you forget like your body actually shouldn't ache. Like you shouldn't fight mm-hmm. crap every day. Like you 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 really shouldn't like I would get anxiety before I would do workouts. Like that's insane. Mm-hmm. Whereas like now I really I look forward to training and like my my life doesn't revolve around necessarily my training. My training enhances my life. Mm-hmm. And and I think people get that twisted sometimes. And then, you know, when the when when they deemphasize like, the, the sport of CrossFit people a lot of people are lost you know I was one of them like luckily I'd stepped out right before that but there's a lot of like lost CrossFit athletes out there that don't know where to go next all they know is is anxiety before workouts and doing things as hard as they can they like they completely forget that like you know that's not actually like training's supposed to supplement your life it's not supposed to revolve around it and, and when I noticed that I realized that I needed to step away and and not because some people will like they'll step away and they'll just kind of shun CrossFit to the side and they'll never do it again. But, like, I think there's a lot of good there. Like, it, people could argue this, but I think that CrossFit was a huge, huge thing that like made training popular again. Because yeah. before it was like bodybuilding and then, you know, there was boot camps and all these different things. But then CrossFit stepped in and said, Hey, like Olympic lifting is okay. You can do things like dynamic movements and do things that create power. And then that's, that's not necessarily bad. But I think where a lot of us coaches, junior coaches, got it wrong at first was like, everybody should be doing this. Yeah. Where it's like there's 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 certain um milestones a person should go through before they ever step into doing something like that. So for me stepping away from CrossFit was more I feel like it shouldn't be everything that training should be. I feel like it's a tool in the toolbox instead of the toolbox if that makes mm. sense.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. that honestly I don't know if there was that many women touching a barbell before CrossFit. I know. Like and, and and men too, don't get me wrong, but I think especially women and i think it gave it empowered so many people and i mean it cultivated the group atmosphere it cultivated motivation it cultivated so many things so as much as there is i don't want to say as much as there is wrong with crossfit because there's plenty wrong with bodybuilding there's plenty wrong with a lot of things Mm -hmm. but i think there's obviously some cons inside of crossfit but i think the biggest one is the idea of and i'd love to for you to elaborate on these because you know it better than me since you're Mm -hmm. in that world but I think it, from my perspective, it's, it's the lack of awareness around intensity. So just thinking like not understanding how to program intensity, because I think intensity is a very good thing. You should be able to understand how to push to that level of intensity. You should be able to push yourself to a maximal effort, but you should also know when to pull back or you should know when to undulate that, right? It mm-hmm. shouldn't just be maxed effort all the time. And I think people got in across it thinking that's what it is. It's just,
1: which sometimes it is no they totally labeled it like that it was like you know functional movement executed at high intensity was was the description so i mean all all things considered that's what they wanted at the beginning
0: and it took a while for people to start getting burnt out right Mm -hmm. um your adrenals don't tap out like that like it takes time and it it started happening and it became it, it became more prevalent um but then the other aspect of it is just group training in general and i don't think it's just crossfit i just think crossfit's the biggest group training that is popular. I mean boot camp, Soul Cycle, Orange Theory Fitness, there's so many different group fitnesses. And I think all of them same share the same con that it's in it's not individualized. And it doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that if you want a specific result, you might need something more specific. Or if you have a specific imbalance, like you might need to tweak things. And I think that's the beauty of doing something in a cross setting in a place like where you're at because you have a keen eye to say like, hey, do this class, but change this variation to this or hey, let's tweak this. Or hey, when you get done, add this this cool down or add this warm up or add this activation or add this accessory day because yeah, yeah. you need those things. Um so I'd love for you to touch on the intensity thing and then we can kind of dive into the individual aspect.
1: Yeah. I mean, so so with the individual aspect too, like, um it like you did CrossFit. Like the group, like the obviously group has tons of like positive things. Like when you're it's in fun. A, when you're in a group atmosphere and like people are cheering, the music's bumping and you're getting after it, like it's addicting. That's a great feeling. And you do, you get addicted to that, like that that uh that hormone hit. But um, you're right. Like you can't hold that intensity forever, and um, people are like, they're they're getting they, for a long time, or like, well, now I would say it's kind of like at the peak. It's like people are getting spun out, like realizing that that intensity can't be done forever. Um, you know, like when I started coaching CrossFit, like I, I would do these things and I would coach these things, and I'm like, wow, like why can't that person get into a deep squat? Like it's not what the the CrossFit methodology said what was going to happen, and um. Now, like, it, like for me, having, like, now that there's that individual component to my business and being able to say, like, um, hey, you know, you're doing group, um, you can always step into this program if you would like to, um, and that's, I kind of came to this realization that, like, group programming at best is going to serve 80% of the population that I see, and that's just me throwing a rough number out there. Like, at best, 80% of the people in the room are going to get a great workout, um, but there's still that 20% that does have that specific goal, that wants to do something, like, um, like really pack on some muscle or work for a powerlifting competition or do an Olympic lifting competition, or maybe they do want to continue to pursue the sport. And you're right. That group program is not going to give that to them. Um, would you say this too? Um, depending, cause
0: I think pushing yourself to max intensity is actually a skill. Do you think that some people can get away with, cause some people will listen to me like, I've been doing CrossFit class five days a week for years and I haven't been burnt out. Do you feel like there's some people in the class that may actually not know how they, like because there's two different types of people there's a person that just you have to tell like hey calm down like today's submaximal mm-hmm. and then there's other people that are like come on let's go let's go let's go like push do you think that those people um can kind of get away with doing it because they don't necessarily go that hard does
1: that make sense um like like meaning like they they think they're going like all out whereas they're not yeah Oh, possibly and like some people can't um like you know the opex guys talk about this all the time like some people like if you tell a newer client to get on an assault bike and rip out for 15 seconds, they're probably not going to feel anything. They're like, what do you mean you want me to rest for three to five minutes? Whereas like Mm -hmm. if you or I get on the assault bike and we rip, there's so much, our ability to output power is so much higher than, you know, because we've been training for a long period of time. Like that three to five minutes, we're rolling around on the ground in pain. You know? So I think the the folks that are like, Hey, I can do this and I can go and I can high I can maintain this high intensity for long periods of time," Um, I don't know that they've like, you know, they're likely not strong enough, or maybe their intensity isn't as high, like I could agree with that one hundred percent
0: I think that I love I love one of the biggest things that and I haven't dove into um I've interviewed James on the podcast I'm gonna get Carl on because because mm. I enjoy his content too um but the whole gain pain and sustain thing like I love the way they coined that because especially pain because I think that and actually sustain too because I think like we were talking about this earlier, like sometimes uh aerobic work should be sustainable to the point where you finish knowing you could have done more, but that's the point of sustaining. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's an effort that you can actually sustain. Whereas pain is very well described too, because it should kind of be in pain afterwards. It shouldn't be comfortable. And I think, um, there's a mental grit to it too. That's, that's very, very challenging. Um, to be able to do that.
1: And isn't that funny too, how like the aerobic and the anaerobic conversation. So it's like in resistance training, right? Like strength training, like, um, anaerobic to me in my mind is the same as like lifting to max effort mm-hmm. right whereas like sustainable work aerobic work is like listen lifting to submax. and the, the parallels there with like resistance training is like we know that most of your training should be sub maximal for like maximum muscle growth and strength gains right so i have now coined that in my head to think like oh wow like aerobic most of your conditioning training should be sustainable but still doing some of that intense work as well um so grouping those together in my mind and looking at my conditioning my aerobic and my anaerobic stuff the same as like my resistance training it just connected these dots in my head so that it's much easier to program for clients and stuff
0: i think that's been a lot of it's much more in the powerlifting and bodybuilding world as far as like um the research that's coming out around this like sub-maximal effort mm-hmm. but it's it's really groundbreaking it's cool to see because it it literally is proof that like hey leaving a couple in the tank is actually going to result in better results like, totally that's wild and i think it's it's kind of like paradigm shattering for people um one thing I want to ask you about because we're talking about this intensity and we're talking about like going too hard and sustainability and stuff like that. You've worked with some uh CrossFit Fit Games competitors so you've seen kind of like the highest level of these people training like what do they do? Like I've always like cuz there's like some people that like will say like no that, like, that's really what they do and then there's other people like do they do a completely different workout? They're not doing wads Um and I've seen a lot where it's like they have like a uh a, a session in the morning that's just Aerobic. They have a session in the middle of the day that's like like when I interviewed Noah, we kind of went over his program. Like, Mm. dude trains two or three times a day because he breaks up these things. So he might be able to go to maximal intensity, but because he's breaking it up and he can take naps and he can eat between, like, does it completely change the way it affects your body as far as like stress and your adrenals? Cause a lot of people, if they tried to mimic his program, but they had to do it on their schedule. It's like I I work and then I get off work and I go to the gym, then I go home. Putting all that training into one session is just insane. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. I ideally I think you should break it into two sessions. And like the people that do it at the highest level, like the reality is is their life revolves around training. Now you'll have a bunch of low-level like regional athletes that have a full-time job and that would cram everything into the couple hours, but they're not getting the same effect as if they were to split it into different sessions. And, and you know, you know, some of them are doing three sessions a day. And and the clients that I've specifically worked with them seen, there is let's say they train six days in a week there's three to four days to where at some point in their training they're really getting after it but a lot of their work is like doing intervals they spend a lot of time on mobility a lot of time on strength training but not just that i actually told this to a client the other day um about how important movement quality is like doing an air squat perfectly because the best movers are also the highest level athletes inside Mm. of the crossfit space so they spent a lot of time perfecting movement. Like one of the girls that I train, uh, female, she was also lifted at the national level in Olympic weightlifting as well. And she spent hours and hours and days and months and years perfecting her Olympic lifting technique so that when she was in a fatigued state, like a, a snatch for her at 80 to 90% looked the same when she was completely smoked in a workout as when she was on the. Now, obviously, like. Um, she could lift more in a non-fatigue state. But my point is like her technique was still very similar. Very proficient. Yeah. Yeah. like you see, you see in, in you know, some of the lower level athletes that movement qualities out the door. They're hitting it hard every single day. They're not paying attention to like how they're moving, how they're executing things, their recovery factors. Like the best love, the best athletes that I've worked with and seen in the world do that the best and you know they're, they're not getting after it the ones that i've seen i know some that really do like they're really trained all day long and that's how they live i've seen it. i've listened to the conversations i've been in that community and are they just to them. kind of genetic freaks yes okay yes and that, that's you know they don't talk about that no the, the, the folks at the games that i was around and that i saw um were genetically predisposed in some aspect to be there and we're doing the same exact training that everybody else is. They just adapted to it differently or faster. Um, and it's funny. I'm reading the the well, I read the book, The Sports Gene, mm. and it talked about that a little bit about how some athletes are, you know, they're more equipped with high twitch or uh, fast twitch muscle fibers than other ones, and some are more equipped with slow twitch. And I totally, I read that book, and I immediately thought of all the athletes that I'd seen, all the games, folks. I'm like, wow, like this is telling the story of what I saw because like I was one that did that training and. <laughs> I wasn't snatching 315. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, like
0: it's the elephant in the room. Yeah, it's what people don't want to. Even like some of the the Instagram models or Instagram influencers and stuff. It's like, yeah, their training is good, but it's not going to make you look that way. Mm-hmm. And and I think like I I kind of look at it like, and this doesn't mean genetic freaks can't be great coaches because I have some really close friends that are genetic freaks and they're amazing coaches too. Right. But I do find that some of the best coaches are – it's kind of like that whole saying like uh, the best coaches were the worst players or something along those <laughs> lines. And it's yeah. like it's those people who had to struggle. They have to optimize every little detail to get to to the like lower end of above average because yeah. it, it's, it's – that's what like one, it gives you empathy inside your coaching. But two, it's it's the science that really gets involved to really take you to the next level versus mm-hmm. your genetics kind of carrying you. And genetics are something we can't control. Now, like there's some cool peptides and stuff coming out that might <laughs> give us an edge. But like until that stuff is like safe for us to bet on, it's like it's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. Um, inside of the people that you do work with, uh, how how like what does a training split look like as far as like the cross the games competitors? And this is kind of a selfish question because and I, I was talking, I think I talked to uh Kyle Ruth from training think tank about this, and and he actually did my programming for a while. So we had some cool conversations around this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But really really high level crossfit programming interests the fuck out of me because if you want me to build you to build muscle or just get strong easy like volume intensity and frequency and give me your lifestyle and give me your past history i can make the perfect split the perfect training the perfect frequencies of intensities it's very easy to balance but when you look at a crossfit competitor it's actually really really admirable because you have to be good at gymnastics, you have to be good at powerlifting, you have to be good at Olympic lifting, you have to be good at endurance, you have to be good at not really hypertrophy, because you don't have to be jacked, but you essentially have to be good at hypertrophy rep range and uh muscular endurance and lactic threshold and stuff like that. Like you're literally throwing all this shit at the wall. It's it's so hard to organize. So, like, there's no training split. You can't say upper lower. Like, like, so try to articulate that for me. Like, what does that even look like?
1: You know, this has actually changed quite a lot too. So the season used to be completely different. You knew when the CrossFit Open was, you knew when certain local competitions were, you knew where regions were like, periodization was very important. And I I, I think it kind of does happen. Like you talk about like, there's no splits. Like I personally run splits for my competitive clients now. And I just periodize the hell out of their training to make sure like, you know, further out from a specific competition, we're doing some like more of the strength bias works. We're trying to like fix imbalances. We're not doing a ton of like dynamic stuff because like if they have the skill already, then we might as well just build the structure and their ability to execute that movement. Build some endurance in it first, and then we do it in like a fatigue state all the time. I think depending if you periodize correctly, you can run like a normal split. You can do like an up, like I run a lot of upper lowers for um, a lot of my competitive crossfit athletes, and I have a lot of su- success with that. I think structuring the day is actually very similar to how you program some sort of activation work you do more like the highly like the stuff that you need your central nervous system to not be fatigued from so like snatches and cleans usually come mm-hmm. first you do that with like the way that you program jumps and things like that so i'll usually swap out that sort of thing and put in some olympic lifts and stuff like that but
0: and you would do that same thing for a gen pop right because like we just yeah. said jump slam stuff like that right same exact concept it's just a switch. Susie, who's 45, has kids and is not competing, doesn't need to do a barbell snatch. She can do a, a dumbbell, snatch, a dumbbell or a, snatch or a jam ball slam.
1: Right. right. Okay. So just the, the exercise selection is going to be a little bit different. Now, I would say throughout the week, I, I'm always big with like setting up a template first. So I'll usually do like Olympic lifting in the beginning half of the week, depending on what the athlete's specific weaknesses are. Like a lot of people like just need to do gymnastics work just to keep up your skill work. But it can be anything like you know Olympic lift, some sort of a- absolute strength movement, strength accessory work, finish with some sort of conditioning work. If the strength is very like neurologically like fatiguing that day, then I'll do more aerobic work at the end. On a day where like there's not Olympic lifting, but there's more of like uh, an absolute strength movement, some accessory movement, um, I might do some gymnastics work and then maybe use some of that gymnastics work and more of like uh, an intensity type model of a workout or something like that. Um, but as an example, like I would, like my strength accessory works still upper lower or some sort of like push pull or um, I essentially try to take that whole thought process of push pull hip knee core and I spread it out throughout the week, make sure I'm hitting those things, and then maybe I'll mix patterns. But I'll use like I still do accumulation into intensity into competition, and I I just wave that up and down and try to time it perfectly depending on what specific avenue that they're going to compete in. If it's the CrossFit Open, then I know that I've got an entire year to periodize your training. So like right after the competition of the open is over, it's recovery, a lot of boring like bodybuilding type stuff, long, slow aerobic work that drives a competitive athlete crazy because they want to go, go, go again. And then as competition gets closer, we'll go more into like the, the skill of the gymnastics work away from all of the like endurance strength building stuff and then allow them to perform their sport. I might have them do like metabolic conditioning first, and then strength second, because you got to be able to do that in a competition. So at the end of the day, it's all dependent 100% on what that athlete's strength and weaknesses are. But as an example of one that I'm running right now, the the, the female will do activation work, some sort of Olympic lift, like a lot, doing a lot of power movements and a lot of full lifts right now, just because I don't want her just doing that pattern. So much of that is going to come later, but she'll do some sort of Olympic lift. Let's say she'll, on a snatch day, she'll do a back squat, then she'll do some sort of lunging pattern with some sort of uh, hinging pattern, and then she'll do like repeatable aerobic work or sustainable work. Tuesdays, she'll do some sort of like power clean or something like that after her activation work, then she'll go into some sort of like pushing and pulling, and then she'll finish up with gymnastics work and follow it up like an intense workout after that. Wednesday, it's back into something similar to that. Usually I'll pull the Olympic lifts out, more strength work, some sort of, but I'll usually, and I'll usually alternate, like she'll do like a Tuesday and a Friday will be gymnastics work mixed in there, but still doing accessory work. And then as competition gets closer, accessory work comes out, Olympic lifts go to more like full lifts. Uh, Her conditioning gets more intense. Maybe she'll do certain time periods based off of what we know that we're gonna see in that competition or the CrossFit Open. And then we'll just get them good in those time domains. Like, we know generally what we're going to see inside of most crossfit competitions. And then it's just doubling down on those things as it gets closer.
0: Got it. So how are you balancing intensities throughout the week so that she doesn't get burnt out? Like, that's my next question, because (laughs) I think uh, and you kind of talked about like you do this Tuesday and Friday, like if there's a separation, I think a lot of people are like, because two things on what you just said that there, there's a framework for a daily workout right activation power strength accessory metabolic right mm-hmm. and i think that for gen pop you're training three or four days a week you're not going balls to the wall anything and body composition is your focus you could repeat that every session mm-hmm. for somebody who's a competitive athlete you cannot because you're going to a different intensity you're training more days per week you probably have a higher volume so you have to like plug and play with different energy systems right yeah. and and so are there certain days you're like okay we're going to go More power focused and or more sustainable here, and then more strength focused here, or more just GPP, just general prep here. Or are you keeping it pretty similar day to day and just doubling down on calories and? and It all depends.
1: It all depends on when they're like where they are in their like their training cycle or what their specific issues are. But more often than not, it's more power stuff in the beginning of the week, more of the like strength specific things towards the end of the week. As far as like volume and intensity. It's so hard to track all those things. It's so hard to pay attention to it. I go a lot, a lot, like, you know, luckily like great platforms like True Coach have come along to where when I'm programming these things, I get so much feedback from my athletes to where like, what's going on with them? Like, hey, you know, I'm super sore this week from XYZ. And, and, I, and I do my best I can to count the reps and sets that they're doing, but there's just so many things to balance. Like to sit here and say like, I handle volume and intensity or if, like any other coach were to say something like that. There's just no way possible. There's too many things to balance. I
0: don't think you actually need to focus on the exact number as much as mm-hmm. people think. I think there's so much research coming out on volume that people get really tied up into like, I have to sit, hit these specific numbers. And a lot of people ask me like, how much volume do you do in a week? I'm like, Oh, it depends on how I feel. Yeah. And it, it, there's a huge range. I've done programs where I do 20 sets per mouse group and I've done some that I do 10 and I actually find my sweet spot between 10 and 15. Um, But it's never like, I think, especially in that setting, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's so much skill component involved in the movement patterns that you almost have to focus more on that than volume.
1: Right, and and, and, I mean, and we talked about execution before, like if you're executing the movement really, really well, it's likely that the intensity that you're maintaining, um, it's just, and and again, this is so relative to the person, but um, at the end of the day, I just think connection with the client like talking to them, listening to them, and like you said, like not getting too tied up into what's going on with them. Because if like even in a perfect scenario, like um it's likely that the 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 intensities and the volume and stuff is gonna be so variable from week to week. It, like for me to sit here and say like to put my finger on um specific volumes and stuff like that, um, I, I just wouldn't be telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So when you started so
0: you've made a big transition into more individualized coaching, more individualized training. Um, you still do group coaching, mm-hmm. but I got to imagine a lot of what you've learned and a lot of like, you, you're, you're a rare breed inside of the, you're not even in CrossFit anymore technically. Cause you have kind of branched your gym out of that, but right. let's just put you in that box for a second. Like, I think that you're a rare breed in that because you didn't just get an affiliate and there's nothing wrong with people who hire affiliate people to write their program, but mm-hmm. you didn't just rely on somebody else to write your programs, which we've talked about this before. <laughs> to me, right. if you're owning a gym, you should probably know how to program design.
1: I feel like it's your art. I, I feel like that's your thing that you're giving. I think that comes before owning a gym. Like,
0: right. that's crazy to me. Um, that's like me, but like, I'm going to be a nutrition coach and I haven't figured out how to calculate macros yet. <laughs> like yeah, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then the, and the program design is a completely different art. It's so. But my point with this is, is like, you, ha- I'm assuming like, because you've gone so in depth with that, your individual design stuff has like really rubbed off into your group coaching. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious at how different you see the group model as a whole compared to like what you guys do, because I've never heard um, a CrossFit programming coach talk about like, Activation, power, strength, like I do, or volume intensity, and like these things, like very few do. Mm-hmm. Um, I named Kyle Ruth. I do respect how he programs quite a bit. So he's a uh, very smart guy, um, but he takes a much more like athletic strength and conditioning approach compared to just a wad, mm-hmm. right? And I think most wads are very similar dynamic warm up, some kind of power that's usually on an EMOM, which mm-hmm. is, f- I will say, it's fun. Doing like power cleans every minute on the minute is fun, right? But if we're looking at maximizing your power clean, every minute on the minute is, is kind of pushing the rest periods. But, um, after that, they go into some kind of Metcon. Usually it's usually like warm up, power strength Metcon. Like, and that's just like the formula. It seems like, yeah. um, how have things changed for you inside that? Like, or, or what do you see, I guess, what were the big signs that you needed to switch that? And how, how common do you think it is to program the way you program? Cause I've never talked to people that program like you do.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's becoming more common, but there's still a lot of people that are kind of stuck in the old way of doing things. Right. And so the transition, the transition just happened because I, again, like connection, like listening to my clients, what they're saying, like people are getting hurt, like nagging shoulder injuries, nagging hip injuries, back pain, knee pain. Like we were training normal. And this is what a lot of affiliates are doing. We're training normal people as if they're like crossfit competitive athletes and you just can't train them like that. So the transition really happened because of just listening to the population talk and listening to the things like you know like oh i crushed that workout it was amazing shoulders hurting like crap like crazy though so it's like yeah like i killed you in that workout and like it sounds super cool but i'm actually not giving you the greatest product ever and i can do better so that transition just mainly happened because i feel like i wasn't doing a good service for my clients and as far as like how it's transitioned now is a lot of it is like we still stick to like we talked before about like the the competitive athlete and how they do like more of like the central nerve the central nervous system fatiguing stuff earlier in the week. We still do something similar, but they'll do like a power clean. If they do something like very dynamic and very fatiguing, then the for lack of better terms, the the conditioning that day is kind of watered down. Maybe I take the barbell out of the conditioning workout. I put in a dumbbell or a kettlebell. If they hinged a lot in their strength movement for the like for the strength that day, then. I'll take them into some other pattern so they're not getting these overuse injuries and but still sticking to a template like we're running like an upper lower template for my gym right now so monday is like an upper body day we'll do something dynamic in the beginning usually it's like a lift a single accessory movement and then conditioning but the conditioning always goes with the strength for the day so i guess you could say the program just pretty much undulate undulates every week and Every so often we'll throw in like a strength cycle to where like we'll do a squat on a Tuesday, we'll do some sort of accessory or exercise for that. But we're always paying attention to like balancing. Not competitive athlete, you gotta go at them completely different. You gotta have some sort of intensity pretty often in their programming. Where I just think general population, group programming, like at best they should be seeing a like a hard intense workout, a hard intense like glycolytic workout, like maybe two to three times out of the six days of the week. But always maintain or always paying attention to the strength programming with the conditioning for the day. And a lot of it is like, you know, very functional bodybuilding-esque. Like we're doing this. If, if I see a lot of my clients are struggling with an overhead position, then I throw it in there. And, and if I see that clients need to work on, like we're seeing a lot of imbalances in their unilateral strength, then we'll throw that in there as well. But it's always paying attention and trying to give them an individual approach in the group programming but just having a vigilant eye. And the coaches are very, my coaches at my gym are very good about like seeing certain things, informing the programmers, because there's two other people that program along with me. And, you know, we get together and have conversations about like, hey, we're seeing this. Let's try to add in some more of this. Hey, the workouts last week were too long or they were too intense. We hear people talking about like having achy XYZ and let's dial back this and let's change. But it's always listening and having our ear, um, our ear inside the gym open so that we can hear some of this feedback because like, again, we're like, we're not individual. We can't get this one-on-one conversation all the time. So I just think listening a lot and trying to balance all those things is what makes us do it pretty well. I
0: love that. I think that's super important. It's, it's actually funny. Cause that's my, my version of group training is the elite and that's mm-hmm. where I have group programming and true coach has been a big help for that because when I created a perform and build, like I basically told everybody like, Hey, this is a 12 week program for everybody to start. We're going to start the cycle now. Yeah. And I had like three weeks done and <laughs> I had the template for the whole 12 weeks. And so the periodization model in my head was already there. But after a couple of weeks, I started messaging people. I started talking to people. I'm like, how do you feel? How does this feel? What days do you like? What don't you like? And then we can like kind of tweak and adapt. and I can change exercises and people have struggles doing this variation. So I tweak this. Um, And I think that's the power of like, again, going back to the art of programming is periodization is so important. You should have like a a template or a model that you're going to follow for a consistent amount of time. And then you should have enough flexibility within that, that you can adapt week to week because that's because people are people. They're not a research study. They're not numbers. And I think that's where people like research is great, but the researchers aren't always coaching people. Mm -hmm. And that's what separates coaching from research. We need the research. So I love it, but coaching is a different beast. Um, one thing I want to ask you before we move on to the next topic, which is going to be more like life stuff. Cause I, we needed to cover that stuff today too, is, yeah. is, um, just the sustainability, aerobic capacity, aerobic work in general. Um, we've talked about athletes staying away from this because it's boring because it's, it's just, it's just fucking continuous. It's yeah. just, Hey, get on the roller for 30 minutes. Like I, I remember doing a cycle of I think it was just 20 minutes, maybe 25 was as long as I got. And I was just so fucking bored. Like I was buying audiobooks and just trying to pass the time. And it's just like, so there's different ways to switch it up. But yeah. the point with this is, is, it's the thing that a lot of us avoid, but it's super, super important for health, for many other aspects inside of performance and aesthetics and stuff that I don't want to touch on because I want to ask you, so you right, can right. kind of take the crown uh, and take the mic. But why should we be doing sustainable work? Why is it important to be doing, uh, I want to say sustainable intensity instead of low intensity because i think low intensity is more like just walking Mm -hmm. because you should still be breathing hard in in most of it and moving actively but um but like you said earlier what what was it you should be able to have a conversation with me Mm. on the rower like sometimes you know so like why is that important for people to do not just athletes but just everybody
1: i mean i mean for several reasons right i think the aerobic base is is like just from a health standpoint, aerobic training is important just for, I mean, heart health, for joint health. I mean, the 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 positives for doing aerobic training just from a health standpoint are, are just huge for the athletes. Like that's, I mean, not only just the base of their conditioning, like you can't build a, a great level of anaerobic conditioning unless you can do aerobic conditioning as well. And like you've learned these different gears along the way. Um, then recovery like moving blood around circulating all this fresh vitamin and minerals into your blood or into your body it's huge and and you think about it like the the people that live the longest or I mean that even goes with the people that compete at the highest level they had this huge aerobic base because I I think of it like a pyramid like the the aerobic system and everything we do in life with training or fitness or any of that stuff it just sits right on top of that and You know, and I and I'm living testament to like, you know, I had a uh one of the guys at one of my training partners used to always do aerobic training. He would do the the boring intervals. He did a lot of running, he would do like hill sprints, mixed or not hill sprints, but like he would run in Washington and where we live, there was like tons of hills. So like he would just go in essentially out of like like uh a, a more intense or like running for twenty minutes and you know, five minutes were really intense because he's going uphill and then he would flatten out again and he's like literally going through these different like gears inside of his aerobic training and you know he went further than me in the sport of crossfit and looking back at it is because he trained his aerobic system it was something that the rest of his fitness could sit on top of that i didn't take seriously and i mean the the study benefits of aerobic training are like you can't you can't deny them they're it's too it's too um i'm forgetting the word right now but it's just you you can't deny what the positives are Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think, I think a lot of people underestimate this in the aesthetic world. And this is what I did because we're on an upper body day. We start with activation. We move, maybe we move to some dumbbell snatches, something explosive. Then we go to bench press and pendlay rows. And then we're doing some alternating dumbbell press and some chin-ups. Like we're moving down the ladder and we're like getting towards like the halfway point. Mm -hmm. When you have a better aerobic base, your fatigue is not nearly as high at that point. Therefore, if your fatigue is not as high, your performance is going to be better. Your recovery between Reps between sets between workout days is going to mm-hmm. be better. You are going to be able to eventually accumulate more volume. So I think people look at like Fuck, I got to sit here and ride the assault bike at a sixty percent effort for thirty minutes. Like that's super boring, but it's helping every single workout. And after like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, it ends up really capitalizing. And it's funny because I got so far away from it because it's it's I think it's a it's a long term benefit thing, right? So like you got to invest your time in it to like after months of it you can see that benefit so for me i was like impatient and i was like let me just work out like today's workout is all that matters and i think it's a good attitude to be motivated for the moment (laughs) but um, when i look back at my training when i made the best progress ever i always had four days a week of lifting and two days a week of specific conditioning and that was the amount that my body needed to still push to a pretty hard intensity I was younger and had less stress, so I could go pretty hard quite a bit, but I wasn't doing two days and stuff like that. It was more manageable for a lifestyle, right? So two days of hard conditioning, one day was a little bit more sustainable, one day was like more high intensity, and then there was like an upper-lower split, two days were max effort, two days were more dynamic, kind Mm -hmm. of like conjugate style, and I always got the best results ever, and it was because I had that blend of aerobic and anaerobic and and muscular endurance and everything.
1: So a couple of things with that too. So I just think, like whether you're doing CrossFit or not, like I just think, um, concurrent training in general is good. Like, you should do. do conditioning and you should do strength, like, period. Like, at, no matter what anybody says, I'll debate you all day long about it. And I think people are really starting to catch up with that. But, you, and, and I was just thinking about this as you were talking about it. You know what everybody forgets that training is? It's like, you know, we were a society when we obviously, when we were, were, were first coming to be, like, we moved a lot. We did a lot of things that resisted our body. So we we're like fairly healthy. But for now, like, now for people, training is to support your life. Not necessarily just for sport or for like a certain aesthetic goals. Like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's something that we should be training for. But at the end of the day, training is for longevity and health, and mm-hmm. we forget that. So I think most of your training should be something that is sustainable in nature. Because, like, I mean, anaerobic training is not something that you can do every day, all day, for years and years and years and years. But if you just remember the type of training you should do, and this is kind of like my like my saying now is it should be um, sustainable and it should be able to do forever to be i'm sorry simple sustainable and forever and and if your training is that you know what split you're on or what type of you know crazy whatever program you're on like doesn't really matter as long as it's simple and it's sustainable and you can do it for the rest of your life and you remember like that's what it's for it's likely you're going to be going in the right direction anyway
0: well that's what i love about pushball hip knee core it's it's like yeah well what split are you doing doesn't matter. Push pull hip knee core. What do you focus on? Push pull hip knee core. Yeah. Like if your program design template doesn't have push pull hip knee core. It's there's and something you're missing. seeing
1: that go away. Like the whole body part split conversation is is any of the coaches that I talk to and like luckily we're like I listen to a lot of the same people you do and and, and the people that I'm connected with aren't talking in those terms anymore. But hopefully that we just get rid of that. Like we know now if you train a movement pattern, it's likely you're going to hit those muscle groups that you were training in a split anyways. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's huge. And I think one thing with uh, sustainable work and aerobic work and stuff like that, and actually in just concurrent training in general, or this like talk about aerobic versus anaerobic, it's funny because if we actually look at what's more applicable and functional in life, aerobic by far, like. I'm never like explosively carrying the groceries home or mm. explosively doing the dishes. Like it's, it's all sustainable efforts throughout the day. It's continuous, it's walking, it's, it's talking, yeah. it's, it's an, even less than aerobic, but aerobic is more applicable is what I'm getting at. It's like yeah. most of the stuff we do day to day is not, like we're not hunters anymore. We're not running totally. and jumping and sprinting. I, I still think you should do those things, <laughs> right. don't get me wrong, but um, I think it just goes to show like, it, to kind of close off this topic, I think that like we did a whole, we did a really long question yesterday in a Q&A about like what is functional, like what actually means functional. And I think that like you have to ask yourself, does this benefit my life? And like define fitness. Like what is fitness to you? And this is something like we were touching on 90 day outcomes this morning. Mm-hmm. And this is something that like, I'm kind of going into this 90 days. It's like, what is fitness? Well, to me, it is looking aesthetic, but it's also being able to run a mile and not being dead. It's also like, Sitting on my heels with my daughter and playing on the ground, like without pain. Mm-hmm. It's like being flexible. It's and, and like as I go down the list of what fitness means to me, I realize it's actually not being able to dumbbell bench press a hundred pound dumbbells for 12 reps or whatever it may be. Right. It's it's a completely different topic of a bunch of different things. Right. Um, but I think it's I think it's funny how your mind typically goes to these like short-term fixes or these things that you want to focus on right now, which is usually what we see in the mirror or how yeah. much weight we can lift, so on and so forth. But um, I love this conversation, man. I think we could probably go on this for like longer and longer and longer. But one thing I want to touch on is, you kind of already like people should know by the time you got done with your intro. But you run a BJJ place, you run a huge CrossFit. I mean, your are building is eight thousand square foot So how how big is your CrossFit? Alone,
1: uh, I, I guess the, the CrossFit side itself, you could probably just say 6, it's 000. about five thousand. Five
0: thousand, okay. It's big, people. It's, it's, I've been there. I've done a seminar there. I've hung out there. It's, it's, a, it's a big place. you got a lot of members. Um, you also do online programming. Um, you run a full staff. You have a, 10 coaches? 10 coaches, yeah. 10 coaches. Um, you attend church, I believe. Mm-hmm. You have three kids? Three boys, yeah. Three boys. Damn, all boys.
1: <laughs> My poor wife. Man. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel sorry <laughs> for your wife.
0: Um, you have a wife. Right. She works. She's a nurse. Correct. So she's busy dude, how do you balance? And like, this is a conversation <laughs> and and before <laughs> before you answer this question, balance is bullshit. We've talked, same, we, we've talked about this. I think that what I mean by, okay, I don't even mean balance. I mean manage because I think that people think balance and they're like, how do you balance that? Well, you don't spend an equal amount of time in each category, but, and I think you're humble and you might not give yourself as much credit as you deserve, but I've watched this in, you do give it an equal amount of presence and effort into each category um you might not even see your wife as much as you see the people in your gym but that's because you have an like a certain amount of hours you have to be in that facility that's the same thing with me Mm -hmm. like i'm in this facility for a certain amount of hours um but it's about like managing your effort and your the intensity that you are giving and the presence that you're giving like how like i guess like you can't give people the blueprint necessarily but how do you personally think you do it, and, and what have you taken away over the last couple of years of really working on that? Because I know that's been a big focus yeah. for you.
1: So I think the biggest thing, one thing that I thought I was going to do when I kind of took off on this whole journey was like, yeah, I'm going to balance this thing, and I'm going to work less, and I'm going to be more time with my family, <laughs> and like, like I'm I got to work be- less and make more money. I got to be completely honest with you, like for what like as coaches, what we do in our career, I don't think that's possible. Mm-hmm. I, you show me a person that's doing it, doing it at a high level, like not grinding and hustling at some portion of the week, most of the time. And they probably, they're not telling you something, in my opinion. It, it, now, so I just, you're right. I don't think there's a such thing as balance. At least some point in their career. Like I remember
0: having a conversation with somebody who was like, well, man, like it's just tough for me to get off. Like, I know you get off at five every day. It's day. I'm like, hey, let me just let you know. I work from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. for years. Right. Like, it's not like, you know what I mean? There's, I think everybody in their evolution of a career goes through a grind phase. Um, you can build your systems to a place where you can get off at a good time. Now, granted, I get up at five and start work. So it's right. not like, I'm still five to five, but yeah. um, you can manage things differently. So I don't want people to think that, like like you said, the grind is is just part of it, but you have to love it too. Like correct, there's there's correct. a love inside of that that I wouldn't take it away for anything. Right, and it doesn't
1: feel like a grind. Like, no. it, okay, sometimes it does, but they're, like majority of the time, like, you know, people come into the gym and they're like, hey, Cody, how you doing today? Or how you feeling today? I'm like, living a dream. And like, you might think that I'm like, I'm totally being a, like a, you know, a butthead. And I'm like, just saying that because I want to sound like I'm everything's perfect. But like, I legitimately love my job. I used to sit, at well, I was a government contractor for a little bit. And I would literally sit there and think about doing this full time. And just imagine, like, could you imagine the possibilities? I got this big gym and I got all these clients and I got coaches and like, you know, in my wildest dreams, I didn't think I could have it. So now that I have it, I think I do a pretty good job at remembering that I've always wanted this thing for a long period of time. It, as far as like how I manage. Real quick,
0: real quick yeah. before you go into managing. How often do you stop and appreciate and stop and be grateful? And this is something I've been really big on and I've been trying to tell people lately because like I I told Travis, I told Chan this the other day, I was like pulling, I was by myself pulling the sled, blasting music in here. And I just like, I wanted to just stop and just be like, and I was in my head like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is so fucking cool. I'm totally. so excited. Like, I have this space. My team is happy. I get to uh, uh, put them in a position where they literally have careers. Their only job is doing what they love for a living. Like, what? Like, that is so fucking cool. And they're helping people around the world. Like, it's just so unpowerful. But I think like, I said this in another my new year's podcast like you will stop having things to appreciate if you don't stop and appreciate what you have and i think it's so so important so i'm curious like for you like how often do you stop and just like pat yourself on the back and and i mean that in a good way not a cocky way like pat yourself on the back like fuck yeah i'm doing it this is what i love i'm so happy like i'm grateful for this and i appreciate this
1: every day every day And, and i'm pretty religious about it to where you know i will very often and people watch me do it. And I've got a, I've got a, one of my, he's one of my newer coaches. He's an older guy. Like he was a master chief in the military. He's been like at my gym for several years and he'll watch me like to where it's like, I'm almost just kind of standing in the back and there, you know, there's 30 clients on the floor and I've got, you know, another 50 people on the other side and there's jujitsu going on. And, my son's in the jujitsu class and my wife is watching him with my baby. And my older son is part of the coach. He's one of the coaching staff for the little jujitsu humans. And like, then I've got my team and like somebody behind the desk, there's people coming in. There's another person in an assessment for their, like getting signed up at the gym. And all this is orchestrated off of like this dream of like, I'm going to have a gym and this is what I want. And I was, you know, sitting at my, my radar console when I worked for Raytheon, and that like I just had this dream. All that came from that, and he watches me do it to where it's like I'm just watching my kingdom, and just sitting there and soaking it in and remembering to where like you're at. Yeah, when I'm sitting behind the desk and I can't write a single email because people come up to me like, like I get to do this every day. It's it's a it's a it's a living, breathing place that I created from a single idea, that I I can't remember that like I can't lose that feeling because if i do every single person in that gym will be let down by me and that's on my shoulders because it's up to me to continue to feed them and to continue to grow and, and have the vision for the gym to grow and have for the business to grow and for my clients and my my team to continue to grow th- to like grow and prosper like that's up to me so like daily to love answer your that. question that's, that's why this it. is right here every we single day
0: remember why you started but i fucking love that dude how how do i articulate this I always try to bring this out of people because it's just – it's so cool to me to see this stuff. But like I guess like along that time, it started just as a dream and you've built what you've built and you're able to do what you love every day. And even the moments where you're insanely busy, it's still like so filled with gratitude that it doesn't Mm -hmm. even matter. How many times along the way did you – not necessarily experience doubt because it's obvious. We all experience doubt all the time how many times along the way did you see signs or people that told you it wouldn't happen or like reasons why, I mean, you moved across the country, you had this go on, you had that go on. Like how many times were like, cause me and Shannon were talking about this on news. We were just kind of reflecting on 2019 reflecting mm-hmm. on 2020 and she just told me she was like grateful. And I was just like talking about some of my experiences and I was like, I'm really grateful that I didn't listen to people telling me no. And like, that's a weird thing to do going through that process where people are like, dude, that's not going to work. Or like, yeah. dude, Trainers don't make any money or do you shouldn't go that path. And it's just like, no, nah, I don't care.
1: It, it happened a lot. I actually had this one guy when I was a government contractor that would, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm scheming I, you know, this is before like iPhones were a thing. I had my, you know, crummy old Android that I would sit out in the break room on. But like I'd be in the inside of the watch floor and like, you know, late at night, there's not aircraft flying. Like I got my notepad out and I'm just writing out ideas. I'm writing programs and like doing all kinds of stuff. And he was like, you spending time when you're, you stupid CrossFit thing. And I'm like, yeah, totally. And now I think of it and I'm like, dude, I'm crushing you. Like, and, and it's kind of this, you know, you get this chip on your shoulder. And I feel like a lot of really successful people do get this like chip on their shoulder to where mm-hmm. like, you remember all the naysayers. I mean, you know, I, I would say at least once a month, somebody really challenges like what I'm doing or who I am. And it, it sometimes it, it like will will shake me a little bit but i always come back to like i know who i am i know my, i know my vision i know what i'm trying to get to and i know what i do for people and i trust at this point i trust me because i've only delivered on every single thing that i said i was going to deliver on and I, and you know we're talking earlier really about outcomes and like how i don't know where i'm going next it's going to come to me mm-hmm. because i believe that that's going to happen to me and and i had a coach that started with me years ago you know he was one of the guys that went to regionals he now runs a gym in Boise, and he used to always ask me, like, he would come to the gym, like, hey, what are we doing today? And I'm like, taking over the world, man. But like, I really said that with the thought of like, this entire county is going to know who I am, is yeah. going to know this gym, is going to know what we do, and we're going to be talked about. And, it, and like, it happens. Like, I can't even go to Chipotle without somebody coming up to us. But it all just came from like a thought and a belief in myself. Far, so to answer your question, with are giving off on a rant, right? To answer your question, once a month, somebody really challenges me. But I more often than not I prove them wrong.
0: Yeah. I think that I think a lot of people successfully have chips on their shoulders. And I think it's a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing because I think sometimes that'll wear off. Mm -hmm. Um I think it's a bad thing because you should always have your own worth or own goals or own focus. Like everything should be focused on like what you want to achieve. It shouldn't be based on what others do or say or think or doubt or whatever. But I also think it's a good thing because sometimes it motivates you to prove people wrong. And sometimes you need that because proving yourself wrong isn't enough, right? I
1: think it's having like them being the reason versus them being the fuel. Exactly. So I think the reason I want to be successful or or have a certain thing is because like I want it. Yeah. But I definitely use them as fuel. 100%. Yeah.
0: And it's funny because I love my dad. Me and my dad are fucking best friends. But I mean, we had our struggles growing up and stuff like that. And he was one of the, the reasons I had a chip on my shoulder because right. he kind of leaned against me going into this field and he wanted me to go a different direction. I actually forged his signature to change my tree. <laughs> I told him later on. That story. <laughs> and that wasn't enough. Like he was pissed about it, but it is what it is. And I became a trainer and then I did this and did this. And it was never like, like I always felt like I was trying to prove to him that I could do this. And it, I'll never forget this. It wasn't until this is really not even that long ago, but he called me when he was on a work trip and he was like sitting in a turmoil or something. He was like, I've, I've just had a layover sitting here. So I decided to Google you. You got a website. And I was like, "Totally, yeah, dad, dad, I do have a website. <laughs> I've had a website for years. It's pretty, pretty impressive. And I was like, I've been trying to tell you, like, this is a real fucking thing. And like, it, it was that moment where I finally was like, part of me was like relieved. Cause I was like, my dad finally like gets it. Yeah. But the, the other part of me is like that fuel died. Cause I was like, fuck <laughs> that's not, you know what I mean? I yeah, can't prove yeah. wrong anymore. And I had to like, but thankfully like you, I, I have a big passion for what I do and like I have a daughter and like things like that, that drive me and stuff. Um, but look, look, we're going to circle back a little bit before we close this out to managing all of this shit that you yeah. got going on, going back to that whole like quote unquote balance thing. I want, I want the listeners to have some like practical takeaways because you and I are very similar in many ways. I've taught you many of my like daily routines and the things I do and stuff, but we all have our different perspective. We all have our different style. Um, And you're one of the people that I've worked with that is by far the most consistent with some of those rituals and habits to elevate every area of their life. Like, uh, and you've probably experienced this too with people you've helped in this regard a lot of people will take a couple pieces and they get really good at it or they'll do everything for 30 days and then it kind of fades away. You know what I mean? Or like the meditation piece falls off or the appreciation piece falls off. Like something falls off. Whereas you have been really diligent about all of them. And I think that contributes a lot of, to a lot of your success. Um, But I want you to explain like what your experience is with that and like how that helps you manage everything you're doing and what it is that you do.
1: So as far as like routines, um, I feel like if I win my morning, I win the day. And, and like, I, and it's this mindset of like, <laughs> back to the tip of my shoulder, like if I'm up in the morning at 4.30am, you know, because I, I like to get up in between 4.30 and 5. Like, so if I stay up and the wife and I have a glass of wine and watch a little too much Boy Meets World, like maybe I don't get in bed at <laughs> the time I should. But for the most part, I'm up at 4.30 or 5 every day. I got that from both you and Craig once i started doing that and i saw my like productivity increase i got addicted to it i got addicted to this mindset of like i'm up and no other coaches mm-hmm. in my area are up so i'm grinding i've done three hours of work already before the first coach is even up or yeah. before the first other gym owner is up so there's that like that chip on your shoulder so the the morning always has to be get up it, and, and it and it it started with like reading stoicism doing journaling and then going into like the most important thing of the day and it usually something that like, I can't be interrupted. So it helps a lot that my kids are asleep. And my wife is asleep. So I'll usually do uh wake up coffee. It's typically stoicism or scripture. Then I will meditate journal. I'll usually write up texts for like appreciation for the day. Like my son has a cell phone now. So I'll send him like a daily text. He's 10. He doesn't say anything back yet, but I'll write him this really well thought out text message in my notepad. And then I'll just send it to him later on. He probably gets it at school. He never really says anything, but like, to me, it's like, I'm just filling that tank of like, like I want him to know, cause you know, like, you know, if my mom and dad had listened to this, probably gonna be pissed, but like my dad never said those kinds of things to me. Mm-hmm. So I really make it a point to let him know, like he's at an age now to where like these deeper level conversations can start to happen. Uh, so usually write off the text and then I'll just do something that I need to get done that is not interrupted. And then usually finish it with some studying. And then I get up and it's the whole crazy kid routine. So that's the the morning routine. As far as like managing how I do things, I actually stole this from Jason Kalipa, but he has this, this mindset of like the AMRAP mentality Mm to where like when, when you're doing an, like in CrossFit, if you're doing an AMRAP, like you're only thinking about that workout. You're only thinking about that thing that you're doing. And that AMRAP mentality for me is when I'm dialed in with my kids in the morning. It's just the kids. There's no text. There's no, usually I have like a podcast or something going, but like the kids are my focus for this block of time. And then I go to the gym. My athlete is my focus. And then my next, like I go from thing to thing. And that's also, uh, you know, and I piggyback that on the back of like the whole mentality that I got from you of like doing the one thing. Like this is my one thing that I'm focusing on right now. And if I wanna do this to the best of my ability, I need to focus on that one thing. So I think throughout my day, there's different sections that I go through. Kids, work, kids and family, you know, jujitsu for me is like my meditation um, or my other meditation. But each block of time that I go to, that's what I'm focused on. I, you know, I got this from you too. I put my phone on airplane mode to the side. Like, I don't want to be interrupted. I don't want that thing to interrupt me as much as possible so that I can do that one thing. So I think as far as a strategy, whatever your day-to-day is, <clears throat> obviously, you want to make sure that you put the most important things first. And, and like, If you say family is your value and you don't spend any time with your family, you need to re look at like your schedule and like where you spend your time but i think if throughout your day if each block of thing each each section of your day that you go through make sure that you give it 100 percent of your undivided attention and the most energy you can and then one final mindset that i apply to that is being a pro right and i got this from turning pro i got this from listening to um i think his name is Al, alwin cosgrove he talks about oh, yeah. he talks about going pro, right? It's Alan Alan Cosgrove, Scottish. it yeah, yeah, yeah. It does look pretty weird how he spelled it. But I got this whole mindset of like being a pro. So I want to be like I always ask myself, what would a professional do here? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do you would- need to become? Correct, correct. What would a professional do? Who would I need to become? So that means that I'm going to be a pro dad, and then I'm going to be a pro leader, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to be um, a pro coach. Like anything that I do, I want to be the best. What would a professional do? And if I ha- if you always keep that mindset and you give it your 100% undivided attention, it's likely that all the amateur crap that's going to happen about you being like, you know, sitting there scrolling while your kids are sitting there. Like, not. and I'm not perfect, but majority of my time is spent with the mindset that I'm going to be a pro at every single aspect of my day and it gets 100% of my time.
0: I fucking love that, dude. I think it, like there's so much that boils down to just being present in that. Uh, like, I agree with everything you say and I've actually, obviously done a lot of what you're saying one like small tip just for people to take out of that like that whole do not disturb thing you mentioned is a fucking game changer for game staying changer. focused uh, <laughs> it's, some people get pissed at you because it takes you forever to respond yeah. but it's honestly the biggest game changer in staying productive and actually being present because it, it's almost like one of those things where because there's a lot of people listening to this that are like i wish i could be more present like even me like if my phone is on me i will not be present Because if it's on and it's going to vibrate, I'm going to want to check it. Even if I'm like, nope, discipline, I'm not going to check it. I'm thinking about who texted me and what they texted me. Therefore, I'm not present with my family. Mm. So like the the simple answer is, is A, do not disturb or B, just put it away. It's like, it's like somebody trying to change their food habits. If you have a bunch of cookies in the pantry, they're going to get eaten sooner or later. So if you want to avoid going over your calories, throw away the cookies. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if there, if it's there, it will be a distraction. It'll be a temptation. Totally. Um, and it comes down to like decision fatigue. I actually have a post written <laughs> up about this decision fatigue. Like if it's there and you have to make the decision, it's going to happen. So, right. um, that's, I mean, it's like probably the simplest and the least deep thing you mentioned, but I think it's so important because a lot of that other stuff mm-hmm. can't happen unless that
1: happens. And you know what I did? And, and, and one thing that like, like if you're listening to this right now and you're like, Oh man, I want to try this and I want to try that. And I want to try this. Like, What often can happen, and I see this happen to clients all the time is they'll like put out these 20 things that they should get better at. Mm -hmm. And then like, I'm gonna do all 20 right now. Like it's New Year's, like people probably have a list of like 50 things and I actually sent this to my newsletter. Like, like just pick one or two of those things and do it and just check it off. And like rather than looking at like somebody like you or myself or people that have done who have figured some of this stuff out and thinking I gotta do everything that that they're doing already, maybe the person listening could just like, hey, I'm just gonna pick one or two of those things and I'm gonna start it. And then when it's ingrained. Like you always talk about like there's a calendar and put as many green checks on it mm-hmm. as possible, like do like every month try one new thing one and, thing. and that's it and you're I'm to be the best at you know I told one of my mentor clients like like hey your thing for the next like two three weeks, shut your phone off at five o'clock every single day, put it away, and I'm like, you know what are you gonna do to make that happen and she's like, well, you know I'm gonna get this on this uh this box, and I'm gonna put my phone in the box, okay, cool tell me, send me a picture when you've done it already, but it's like picking one thing that they're going to focus on rather than 20 and then mm-hmm. just doing that. And then moving on from thing to thing after that,
0: the minimal effective dose, man. Right. Um, I love it. We could probably uh, go on and on and on, but we got to totally. close this off because people are going to be like, okay, we're over an hour now. <laughs> um, but I'm going to, I'm going to, because you've been listening to the podcast for a while and it's really cool that you get to be on the podcast now. I
1: know,
0: man. Um, I want to ask you the personality question. I haven't asked anybody this in a while just because I just haven't. But um, I feel like I got to pick a new one because I noticed Ro- Robbie from OPEX had the same one and I didn't know until yeah. he interviewed me on his show. And <laughs> <laughs> he asked me the question. I was like, motherfucker, this is my question. I got to go back and see who started it first. But, um, yeah. but you're on a plane. You're flying from, let's say, to, from, from Seattle to uh, Australia. It's a long-ass okay. flight. Uh, and you have two empty seats next to you. You can put anybody in those seats, alive or dead, but it cannot be friends or family. Nobody you know. You have one book to bring with you and you have one album to bring with you. Not an artist, not a playlist, not a song, but an album.
1: Okay, you might have to feed me some of this question again. So I'm going to start with the album. Cool. Mace Harlem World. I don't know why it is, but that Mace, like you're talking like music, right? Yeah. The Mace Harlem World album. I can listen to it for hours and hours. Really? Like people at the gym think I'm so weird. I'll throw it on and it starts going. I start bobbing my head. He's like, got good beats. Those it just takes me back to a beats. place. It takes me back to like a, a place when I was a kid when like I'm playing basketball and my, my buddy's got the Mace album on okay. the on the boombox.
0: See, know? see, and I think that's the big key is like there's an emotion. Cause I will be completely honest with you. Yeah. I was telling Shannon this the other actually, not like a week or two ago. I was like, Mace is the most monotone rapper I've ever <laughs> heard terrible. in my life. But but like there's uh there's some like uh old dipset songs that yeah. like I'll listen to now and I'm like so it really isn't good music they're so delayed with their like words but when i hear dipset i think of 11 p.m workouts at the old vigor with luca hugh akeem andreas like this whole old crew like grimy sessions yeah i don't like i listen to dipset i'm like this isn't good rap but i love it because of that so it's like that 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 album
1: totally takes me back to being a kid again i love it so the next one was a book yep hmm gosh i like so many books man huge book guy Cody, that's a tough one dude um I, I i'm gonna cop out the first self-help book that i ever read in my entire life i don't even know who it's by but it was called the slight edge mm-hmm. and i, I don't even remember who the author is but I, I had it on my ipad and i actually started reading it because i saw a gym owner in chesapeake that I, like chesapeake virginia where i'm from that was like talking about this book and um i was like all right, i'll pick up this book and i'll start reading it and like there was this one analogy that the book talked about to where like a frog was swimming around in a bucket and it like made whatever fluid that was in there hard enough to where like it didn't drown but it like the the one thing the small the smallest effective dose like that was the beginning of me realizing that thing to where like I don't have to do 20 things right now I just need to do one. Mm. So that's the book I would probably bring. I love that. Gosh, the two people that's going to be a tough.
0: One. I haven't read that book but I've heard that title many times and I've read The One Thing a million times it's a great book.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. two people two people i would really so i actually admire craig valentine a lot Mm -hmm. it's just something about him like i'm just drawn to what he talks about he's somebody that i would like to just sit there and ask questions for hours and hours and hours and hours and then have you ever been to one of his live events i I went to the perfect light retreat and then i did one of his workshops okay it's just something about him like i i just want to ask him questions very interesting dude yeah yeah um and i would really like to pick and, and i'm I should, I'm sure I'm going to leave and listen to this and be like, Oh man, you could have picked this person or this person. Like everybody always had like these presidents yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I think it is insane how James Fitzgerald thinks that programming. And I just want to ask him stuff about programming. He, I got to ask, I got to get him on my podcast and see what he thinks.
0: He is the stoic of fitness. He oh is a philosopher. Goodness. Um, And that's actually what I appreciate about him most is because he looks at training and program design through a different lens. Like mm-hmm. he is uh, very philosophical about, The way we are prescribing movement, and it's really, really interesting to listen to.
1: You know, I used to, I used to kind of listen to what he was saying, and and be like, oh, you know, back when I was in my haze of like CrossFit's everything, you can't tell me anything. Mm -hmm. But when I, when I, you know, he always says like, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Like, when I was ready to start hearing some of this stuff, he just spoke to me. Like, he was classifying the things that I wanted to understand, and I was just drawn to that, and. So I, I would love to to sit there and ask Craig a bunch of stuff about business, and um, James, I just want to ask him a thousand questions about fitness, and then he has to listen to me though. Yeah, <laughs> even if it's a stupid question.
0: Yeah, I uh, I didn't I never bought into his stuff. I always thought he like overcomplicated. I didn't really didn't vibe with me either. And then uh, I kept getting requests for him on the podcast, and I was like, I'm gonna interview him. So I interviewed him, and we had such a phenomenal conversation totally. that we ended up talking for another 20 minutes after the episode. And ever since then, I've just been diving into his content just because even if it's a subject that I don't really want to necessarily implement, I'm like, I'm curious as how you would uh, teach this or just express your thoughts on it in general. You know, the following
1: he has is so cult like it's tribal, like it's crazy that like, you know, you you listened to Carl's when I had uh, Carl's interview on my podcast. He spoke about OPEX in terms of like we what we're planning on doing Mm -hmm. Our philosophy like and, and 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 gosh, I hope I don't like step on any toes, but like he just has created people that just want to get on board with him, and I want to learn that mm-hmm. to where like and I feel like I've kind of got a way about it now, but I think that that is a quality that if you can get people you know a thousand Raven fans or like a tribe behind you, like you can you can move mountains and i like I just admire and I respect that about him and and it's gosh, back to the question, like him sitting next to me and like. I'm actually scared to have him on the podcast because if I'm asking something stupid and he just slams me and it's recorded and everybody hears it, Like I want to sit in the comfort of the plane to where you can't judge me on anything I'm asking you. That'd
0: be a good flight, man. Yeah. Well, dude, thank (laughs) you for coming on the show. Um, I appreciate you being here. Uh, Let everybody know, Instagram, website, where your gym is, all that stuff, where they can find you, your information so we can link it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, well, well, first, uh, I want to say thank you for having me on the show. I've been listening to you for two years. Your podcast was actually what led me to actually reaching out to you just, um, I'm completely drawn to everything that, that you do. And I appreciate that everything you've done for me my family my business. And if, and if you guys don't hire this dude for something, you're wasting your <laughs> money somewhere else. Uh, shameless plug for my coach. Here, thank but you, man, dude. The, I appreciate It's that. a, it's a absolute dream and honor to be sitting on, you know, across from you on a show that I used to listen to for years and years. So I want to thank you for that. As far as follow me on Instagram, um, I am at Coach Cody Smith. My gym is uh, Virtuous Fitness. You can follow that as well at uh, Virtuous Fitness W A, as I believe it believe it what it is. And then uh, my my uh jujitsu gym is um Pacific Northwest Jiu-Jitsu. It is at Pac Northwest BJJ. And then I got a podcast as well. It's the Create Yourself podcast on iTunes. I've got some pretty cool interviews. I'm uh learned a lot of things from my friends sitting next to me here. So uh Pretty good interviews. Go ahead and subscribe if you want to listen to some, you know, some rants about training.
0: I listen to his podcast, so you do have a lot of quality guests. Me being one of them, but totally, um, totally, a lot of good interviews, uh, a lot of good content. So, man, thank you. I I appreciate it, brother. For sure. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results it still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering. And because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more again to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomperformance.com sign up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at Cody at boom, I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.